don't base your decision on market conditions. Base your decision on what you want to do with that property, what your goals are, what your returns are, what your expectations are, what your opportunity to purchase or to move that money is. So you've got to look at your situation as a whole. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hey, our sponsor for the show today is Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota. And they were recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota and is only made through their investment prospects. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. Look, there's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. Welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexter. With me, I've got Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. How about yourself, Todd? I'm doing fantastic. We're here for another hump day hustle, Matt. And today we're going to talk about when slash why to sell your property. And then maybe what we can do with it to avoid some taxes because you're talking about selling. I've done some selling. So we want to know, you know, what do we want to do with those profits? Of course, that's one of the big things. Hopefully we're making profit. Yep, absolutely. And, uh, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask you what's uh, what's going on, what's new, any any lessons learned, any mistakes made uh, this last week that you want to hit on before we get started. Uh, no mistakes. Just doing like routine maintenance on my properties. Uh, you know, furnace and, and boiler uh, type of stuff right now. Uh, there's some efficiencies that I can improve on, so I'm going to do that, and that's going to save me uh, some money. That's actually a really good point. Uh, really, something to, that that is easy to ignore. Uh, and can really actually save a decent amount of money and really extend the life of some of your mechanicals, uh, especially, you know, if we're in a cold state like we are in Minnesota and you've got these furnaces that uh, maybe are fairly new or, you know, even, even old, but if we're not replacing the furnace filter, if we're not cleaning the ductwork, if we're not servicing our, our furnace, it's going to last a lot less time. And so we can take a furnace that's supposed to last you know, let's call it 20 to 25 years and all of a sudden last 10 to 15 years. Uh, that's going to cost you a lot of money. If you would have just spent the uh, little bit of money to service it, you would have actually saved that in the end. So uh, really got to think about that. Plus, you know, it's more energy efficient if you're paying for the heat, especially uh, it's important. Um, and then just little things too. Uh, it, for me, it, we go in and we do our, our kind of fall uh, maintenance, which we do about this time of the year, late, late fall. Um, and it allows us to service our furnaces. It allows us to check for leaks. You know, they, we go through all the faucets and tubs and toilets and make sure nothing's leaking, make sure everything's working right. And it also allows us to get eyes on the property and really see, you know, if there's anything else wrong with the property. So sometimes 
tenants don't tell us about things. You know, uh, recently, it was actually last week, I had a tenant that was pouring water into the tank of their toilet from a bucket. They would fill it up from the, uh, from the shower or the tub and they'll fill the bucket up with the tub and then they'd put it in the tank and then flush the toilet. And we, my maintenance guy's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And they said, well, because we didn't want to bother you guys. Hmm. So instead of for the flapper. Yeah. They, they're, you know, all, all that my maintenance guy had to do was replace the, the inside the guts of the toilet, Hmm. you know? So, What's one of those kits are you know, 20 bucks or something like that. Mm-hmm. It took till cam, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. Probably took longer to get the parts than it did to install the parts. Um, but super, you know, just super simple little thing like that. But the, we never would have known about it if, you know, because the tenant just wasn't going to tell us. They didn't want to bother us. You know, and there's all kinds of other things like that in the in the unit that was like, I mean, they had an extension cord running from like the living room into the kitchen to run the refrigerator. Hmm. And it's like, well, why are you doing that? Well, the outlet doesn't work. Did you switch the breaker? Like, oh yeah, we tried it. So he goes down there and flips the breaker and the outlet works just perfect. No magic. Yeah, magic. So they didn't know how to flip the breaker properly. They thought you just had to push it the one direction instead of shutting it off and turning it back mm-hmm. on. So just little things like that, it allows us to really see what's going on inside the units. It's funny what sometimes you'll find. Sure. So. Yeah, it seems like uh, you know going green is not just good for the environment. It's also good for the pocketbook as well. <laughs> oftentimes. Sometimes it's a little hard on the pocketbook. Sure. But oftentimes. Fair. Oftentimes it's, yeah, it's just smarter to, to, to be, well, it's just smart to be aware of what's going on at your property, mm-hmm. honestly. And, and it saves you money a lot of times in the end. So, yeah. Um, and you know, whether, whether you're the one that believes that people are causing a, the, uh, you know, global warming, uh, you know, change, or you think that it's just a, an occurrence that it just happens. I think most of us can agree that treating the environment good is, is good for everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think no matter what, it's, it's a good thing. So, yeah. Uh, well, cool. Let's get to our topic. So when to sell, uh, you know, like we talked about before, I have a few properties. I'm, I'm looking to probably sell them uh, this coming spring or summer. Yeah. Um, and I got a few um, upgrades I think I want to do before then. Um, so I want to know, what uh, what should I focus on for those last minute upgrades, uh, and when when should I time out the selling uh, to uh, maximize my profits, but at the same time leave some meat on the bone for the next investor? Well, so there's a lot to unpack with what you just said, right? Because you've said several things, and the first mm-hmm. one was um, the well, I don't know if it's the first one, but one of them was that you want to leave meat on the bone for your investor. That was the last thing you said. Um, and that's an important decision to make when you're selling, right? Is do I want to leave meat on the bone? And actually before you're selling, right? Mm-hmm. You know, potentially even from the beginning of the property, especially if we're talking a large multifamily property and we've got 200 units, you know, how many units do I renovate? Do I renovate every single one of them or do I budget to renovate 
you know, 70% of them or 50% of them? What do I do? Do I leave meat on the bone? Does it make sense? And oftentimes it does because as investors, especially if we're talking an investment property, when we're talking a single family, even a duplex, I would say for the most part, you want to get those as clean and as ready and as beautiful as possible. Well, when we're talking a larger property, and, and by larger, I would say five units and above for sure, four units and is probably even potentially something you want to consider. This strategy is where you leave some meat on the bone because everybody wants to feel like they've got a value add, right? Everybody wants to feel like they've got something they can do to the property. So that's a, definitely a good strategy. If you can get the property 95 plus percent occupied, yet leave a little bit for the next person that creates definitely a story you can tell and sell. Mm -hmm. One strategy I've seen, and this is something to be careful of as a buyer, is I've seen people that'll do their renovation, they renovate all the units, and then they do phase two, okay? And they'll take a handful of units, and do phase two. It might be only 10 units or five units or 20 units, but they'll take a handful of units and do phase two. So they'll, instead of the, the, you know, redoing the faces of the cabinets and painting them, they rip out the cabinets and do brand new ones. They put, you know, granite or quartz in there and they do stainless steel. And, you know, that's maybe that's phase two. And with that, they're charging even more on rent. They're trying to push that rent as high as they possibly can and get the, get those tenants in there. Now, why you want to be careful as a buyer is because, well, they did it to 10 units, but can you really do it to all 200 units? Or is there, is there a big enough market for it? But what they're saying is, look, we did it to 10 units. You can do it to all the rest and get this big value add bump and, and we'll, we'll sell it to you. And you know, that's a good strategy for a seller, it's something to be careful of as a buyer. Hmm. Okay. So how do you time, like, uh, is there a best time of year to start selling? Um, well, for in Minnesota, hundred percent. I mean, in Minnesota, best time of the year is, is I would say late spring um, and early summer. You know, it depends on what kind of asset you're selling to. If you're selling a single family or a duplex, uh, it's where somebody's going to potentially live in it. Uh, and especially if they've got kids or you think they could have kids, you know, there's two plus bedrooms. Then, you know, June, May, June is a great time to sell because people want to get into their property. They want to buy schools out by the time they close on it, schools out. They can get in, they can get settled before school starts. Worst time to, to I, I shouldn't say it's the worst time, but it's a, you missed a good opportunity is to sell it like September, right? Because you just missed that whole kind of like transition school year, summer break. Uh, people want to want to buy it. So it's still okay time, but it's just like, oh, you just missed it. Uh, worst time to sell is, is right now. Between the holidays is is a terrible time to sell. And before I just say it's a terrible time, I have sold properties every single month of the year. I was doing a lot of flips and, you know, you can't quite time it perfectly. You want to get these flips in and out of the door as quickly as possible. So I've sold properties 
in December. I've sold properties in January. One year I sold, I think, six properties in January. It was mm. right, right after Christmas. And my theory is after Christmas, you know, the wife didn't get what she wanted for Christmas. So she goes out and buys a house. Mm. You know, um, so, so I've had success selling in all seasons uh, of the year, but traditionally, you're, you're selling in the, in the spring and the fall or spring in the summer uh, for multifamily or for any property, you, you know, like think about it. And it's, this goes with pretty much every area um, in the country. Landscaping looks the nicest in this, in the summer, right? It just, everything's in full bloom in the summer and the spring. It looks beautiful. Things look nice. We can keep the grass cut clean. Everything looks good in the, you know, in the fall, late fall, in the winter, in the early spring, everything is brown still. The leaves aren't on the trees. It just doesn't look as clean and as good. And there's, you know, especially here, you know, you got dirty snow and you got trash that hasn't been picked up because it's been, you know, negative 10 degrees out. And nobody wants to go outside. And, you know, so you got stuff frozen to the ground that shouldn't be there. <laughs> you, just, you just don't know. So yeah, I, I, that, that's it. But there, there's, there's reasons to sell at any time of the year, in my opinion. I mean, you, you could say it's great to sell in the winter because there's less competition. So what are the typical preparation things that you do uh, leading up to selling? You know, stuff like cleaning up, painting, taking professional pictures, that sort of stuff. Yeah, all, all that stuff is really important. Obviously, you want to you want to make it look the best. And when we're talking multifamily, we're talking you want to make your rent roll look the best. You want to make your T twelve or T three look the best. Um, so you're you're taking care of some of the big ticket items prior to listing it, and that's why we want to think ahead, right? If we think ahead and we've got a property that let's say we're going to sell, uh, and we know we're going to sell it, and so a year plus in advance, we start taking care of some of those big ticket items, some of those items that we know are going to be maintenance things. So we go, we send our maintenance guy around the maintenance guys around the entire property. And we, you know, make sure all the toilets are, are working really well and that we replace any of the workings of the toilets or the toilets themselves and faucets and all that kind of stuff. We want to make sure it's working really well. We want to get all the maintenance items taken care of as much as we can really blow through those and do some of the, you know, clean up the landscaping, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, but we want to do that in advance. And then when it's time to, okay, now I want to start, now we want to list the property. We've already done all that stuff. We've already spent all our money on. So we've got a low maintenance and repair unit turn. We've got, all those expenses are, are low, as low as possible. So then when we show our buyers, the T12, the T3, all that kind of stuff, they're looking at it and they can go, okay, yeah, expenses are nice. Uh, you know, they're only 300 bucks a unit on average. Okay, this property's good. I like it. You know, our occupancy is tight. Uh, rent collections are good. Um, you know, so everything that we can do, we can really prepare for it and really be attentive to that property prior to selling, you're going to get a much better price because people are buying on performance and the future value, but they're buying on performance 
uh, and underwriting happens on performance as well. So cut costs, increase revenue as much as we possibly can during that time. That's, that's huge. And then of course, making it look nice from the inside and out is, is definitely a benefit as well. And how much do emotions play into it? I know with single family, it's, it's all emotion uh, for buying purposes, but for multi, large multifamily, uh, how much do emotions play into that for buyers? Way more than what everybody wants you to believe. Everybody, I, I think if you ask this to every investor, how do you get emotional when you buy? There's no way. We buy based on you know, numbers alone. I would call BS on nearly everybody. Uh, they are buying, a lot of people are buying based on emotion. They're buying because it's a, it's a really nice property. It looks really good. It's, you know, they're looking at the property and, and some of it you could justify and say, well, I'm, yeah, sure. I'm buying it cause it's really nice, but that's cause it's well kept. And I like properties that are well kept because that means less maintenance and repairs for me and better tenants and so on. So they can justify it, but I, they're still basing it on their per- perception of that. Wow. This is a really nice, beautiful property pools, really nice. Like they can live there. And if, if people feel like they can live, like your investors, for instance, my, my passive investors are more attracted to the property they feel they can live in than one they can't, they don't feel like they can't live in or they just can't see themselves there. It's easier. And, and this is, I mean, this is not like a, a fact, but this is something that I talked with. I talk a lot with other guys that are, and gals that are doing syndications is if you've got a property in a premier market, let's say in Austin, Texas, okay? If you've got a, an, a very nice property, it's got the pool, it's got some of the nice amenities, it's just, it looks sharp. You are going to fill up that offering very, very quickly versus if you've got a property, let's call it in a Cleveland, Ohio, right? Cleveland, Ohio doesn't have any sex appeal, just is kind of known as a down and out market. And it doesn't have a pool. It's just a, an ordinary property. That offering is going to take a lot longer to fill out. The Austin, Texas property could be projecting returns to investors at a, you know, 12% IRR and that Cleveland, Ohio property could be projecting at 25% IRR. It still will be easier to fill out the Austin, Texas property. It's just, it just will. People are attracted to that type of property, that type of market. And quite frankly, the Austin, Texas, that might be an overheated market. I'm not saying it is because I don't study Austin, Texas, but that might be an overheated market that's ready to crash tomorrow. But people are just attracted to it because it's got that name behind it. And Cleveland might be poised for complete and uh, amazing growth. And I don't think that not, but it could be. Um, but it's just the perceptions. It's the emotions behind it. So, sure. yes, very emotional. And Now, single they, family is way more emotional, by the way. Because yeah. it's got to be cute, right? It's got to be mm-hmm. cute. It's got to be pretty. And we can see you know, raising our kids there or whatever it is. And, and we're looking for different things, right? I mean, we're not, we're looking for how to, 
how close is the nearest park and you know are the sidewalks uh, nice and um you know are are the neighbor's houses well kept and cute and um you know where's where's the closest school and whatever else is important to us where and multifamily are we looking for some of that stuff yeah i mean i care about what the neighborhood looks like i care about where the nearest schools are and parks are and stuff like that but it's not as I'm not as emotionally attached to that type of stuff. Sure. Hey, let's take a minute to thank our sponsor, Pine Financial Group. Look, you work hard for your money. Is your money working hard for you? Because of inflation, money sitting idle erodes your wealth. Many investors understand that real estate is a great investment, but may not want the effort or the risk that comes with owning their own property. They want to sit back and have payments Hit their bank account each and every month. Stop eroding your wealth and start building by asking your money to work for you. You should be earning profits while you sleep in investment backed by real estate. Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota, was recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota and is only made through the investment prospectus. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. There's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. It's www.pineinvestments.com. And it's really hard to predict when... Uh, when exactly the peak of uh, real estate prices are going to be or um, but with that said, what are some things that you use to decide when the right time is to buy based on the market conditions? Yeah. So here's what I'll say to that. Don't base your decision on market conditions, base your decision on what you want to do with that property, what your goals are, what your returns are, what your expectations are, what your opportunity to purchase or to move that money is. So you've got to look at your situation as a whole. You know, I, for, for instance, I, I've sold several properties uh, this year. I will be selling a couple in the, in the spring and I look at them not as, oh, we're at the peak of the market. I look at it as what's the reason for me to sell? One property I'm going to sell because I just don't like it. I, I, I'm done with the property. I'm not excited about the area. Um, it's just, it has been a, a property that hasn't cash flowed nearly as well as I, I would like to see it cash flow. Yet there's really good opportunity for me to sell it and make a good return. So it's time to sell it. I'm going to sell it in the spring. Um, and maybe even before that, maybe even in this winter when I have it to a point where I feel like I could sell it. So that that's one reason I'm selling that property is because I can make a good return on investment and I can get rid of kind of a, a, a pain in the butt. So I'm, that's a reason to sell another property I'm selling. Um, it's not a pain in the butt. It's cash flowing very nicely, but the value has far exceeded, far, far exceeded what I feel it's worth. Um, 
and not because the market's hot, just because when I look at my cash flow versus the actual profit of that building and what I could do with that money, I see that there's way, way better potential for me to go, let's sell this thing. Let's take those profits and put it into another property and we'll make better return. So you've got to look at situations like that. And, and when I go and look at this property and my cash on cash is actually infinite because I've got no cash left in it. So you go, my cash on cash is infinite. I'm going to take and sell that property and I'm going to make a big chunk of money, but then I'm going to invest that and my cash on cash is going to go down to, you know, 8%, 9%, 10%, whatever it is. You go, oh, my cash on cash went down. Well, yeah, but my overall cash flow just skyrocketed because I did that. So I might get an investment that's not quite as good of an ROI. But overall, when I look at the big picture, it'll be a better property. So there's different reasons for selling. I would stay away from the, I think it's the peak of the market and I'm going to sell now theory. I, I just think you're, you're I, I just, again, I think that's an emotional decision. So when we talk about as investors, we don't want to make emotional decisions. Well, that's an emotional decision. This is very emotional. So what is your advice to stay away from emotions or to control them at least uh, in the buying or selling process? I mean, look, you're never going to completely get away from them, but just try to be level-headed as much as you can and try to really focus on your goals. You know, if you could focus on your goals and your business plan of your overall vision and, and what you're really looking to do and to achieve in the long term and have a very detailed criteria that's written down and well thought out, I think you're going to be a lot better served than if you are just trying to buy a bunch of properties to cash flow because somebody said you're going to get rich doing it or whatever it is, you know? Um, so I think the more really concrete you can get in what you're trying to achieve, the better. And then be analytical, right? If you can be analytical and really look at the numbers or find people that are analytical to be on your team to look at the numbers and just to have this is, this is yes. And this is no, it's black and it's white. It's not gray. We don't, you know, I said, we're looking for a, a 9% cash on cash with an IR of, you know, 18 or whatever it is. Um, if it doesn't hit that criteria, don't get emotional about it. Don't stretch things to go, Oh, you know, yeah, but I, it's a really nice property. I think we can get 950 for rent instead of 900. You know, don't, it, once you start playing that game, then you're going to start buying properties and you're buying them on emotion. And you just, a lot of people are doing that right now. And uh, when do you decide uh, uh, like whether to use a broker and when to start using a broker for a sale? Yeah. You know, that's everybody's uh, opinion, whether you want to use a broker or not. Personally, I think brokers are extremely valuable. I think they're worth their weight and uh, the price that you're going to pay on it. I, I think uh, engage them as early as possible because they're going to, you know, their goal is to sell the property for the most amount of money possible because that gives them a commission. So they want to sell for the most amount of money possible and they want to sell as quickly as they possibly can. So they're, if you say, look, I want to sell this property and I'm, I'm going to sell it, you know, uh, in, in six months or in a year or whatever, uh, you know, I want you to, 
list it for me and let's let's start this discussion right now and things I can do to get this property up and, and going so it's ready to sell. They're going to help you. I guarantee they're going to be excited to help because they know when they help, they get more money, they get a commission, and they get the property sold quicker. So I think engaging a real estate broker is extremely valuable in my opinion. And they might be able to sell the property earlier than, than what you planned because they've got buyers that are looking. Mm -hmm. so. Sure. And then we also talked a little bit about, uh, you know, tax uh, savings. And I know you recently had Joe on, on the show to talk about 1031 exchanges. Uh, when in the selling process do you line up, uh, uh, you know, qualified intermediary uh, to, to work on that 1031 um, yeah, good, good question. I mean, you know, the, the earlier you have relationships built in any of these aspects, the better. So if you can have a 1031 intermediary that you've already been speaking with, you can talk with your tax uh, advisor, accountants before you've actually even listed, I think that's best. But if you've already listed it and you know, it's, it's too late for that. I think before, before you get it on a contract or as early in the, in the time period as possible, it has to be done before closing, right? If, if the closing happens, it's too late because, mm -hmm. because now there's nothing you can do. You can't, you can't do you 1031. If you touch the money, um, you can't save on taxes if you've taken the profit. Uh, so, yeah, definitely before the closing, but as early as possible, for sure. Okay. I think the latest really that I would ever want to start connecting with my CPA and my uh, intermediary would be when I have the property under contract. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, what else do people need to know about uh, selling a property and when to do it? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think we've covered most of it. You just be, be prepared, right? It's just a business. And if you're selling your multifamily asset, be prepared and think about what you're trying to get from it. And you know, what, what strategy is best for you? Everything's it's, it's all different. And there's a buyer out there for everyone. So I know we started off saying, you know, keeping some value add available is a good thing, but there's also buyers out there that want to buy clean property turnkey that have no work, zero work, nothing to do. And so there is a buyer for everything. You just have to look at how much work is there to do. What's my value now versus if I do all this work and is it worth it? Is it worth your time? Is it worth the effort? Is it worth the extended period that you probably have to hold the property in order to do the work? So sometimes the answer is yes, sometimes it's no. That's the value of having a broker on your team as well is because the broker can help you navigate that. The broker can say, well, look, I can get this property sold for $4.2 million today, or you can do these 10 different things and we can sell it for $5.6 million. Well, if you know it's only going to cost you $600,000, let's, let's do it. But if it's going to cost you $1.6 it's probably not worth it, right? So you've got to decide, you know, what what makes sense for you to do in order to get the property sold? Um, how much preparation do you want to do up ahead of time? I think the more, the better. All right. So my, my key takeaways here are, 
you know, start preparing for the sale. Don't just, uh, you know, throw it on the market. A broker can really help you with the process to know what you need to do to uh, maximize your profits. And then as for when to sell, it's, it really depends on what you want to do with it. What are, what are your goals? Have you met your business plan? Have you, uh, you know, got on all the profits that you plan to? Um, but just don't try to time the market because that's pretty hard to do. Yeah. I mean, and I think always trying to get an understanding of what your property's worth is, is important. Uh, one of my friends is selling one of his properties that he was not planning on selling, but um, he had a broker give him a value on it. He said, you know what, if you can get that value, let's do it. And ended up getting better than that value. And it was worth it to sell made his investors making his investors a great return on their investment. So sometimes it's, keep an open mind. And if you're always thinking about, okay, well, where's my, when's my exit strategy? Um, where is it? You know, you'll be setting yourself up for success from the start. So Sure. And if you well, know the, if you know the, the cap rates for the area and you, and you know what your net operating income is, uh, like we talked about last week, uh, then you know what the price of property should be. Yep. Yep. Matt, you're selling a couple properties. Mm-hmm. What, what for? Uh, I want to, they're kind of spread out and I want to consolidate them into a, a larger property that's going to be a little easier to manage. Yeah, there you go. So there's, that, that's your unique reason. Everybody's got a unique reason. You've got to decide what's right for you. But again, in my opinion, timing the market can be a big mistake. Um, I, just, I just don't believe that there's, that there's timing. I, I think that that's next to impossible to do. And if you buy your properties right, we don't have to worry about timing the market. I don't have to worry about timing the market because I've got cash flowing properties that'll continue to cash flow through a recession. Now, if the world collapses um, and we have some crazy stuff happening, maybe I, you know, I'm out of luck, but I'm probably out of luck if I had that money sitting anywhere else. So, mm-hmm. so. That's it. That's all I got. All right. Fantastic. All right. Have a fantastic rest of the day. Make every day Saturday. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. A couple things before we go. Again, go on to our Facebook page, Pillars of Wealth. We'd love to have you on there. Go on to iTunes. Give us a rating and review and subscribe to the show. Also, um, you know, don't forget, reach out to me if you want any help with uh, potentially growing your business and reach out to John Styles to help you buy or sell real estate. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Have a fantastic the rest of the day. And as I say, make every day a Saturday. <laughs>